Wait, are you allowed to tell those stories on the podcast? Oh, okay. So put that in front of you. Let's start the podcast because I'm excited. I'm ready about when this. you are. I tried to lay out some facts for you. Here's a an old. Uh, oh, we hate thing. facts. What are we, Trump? <laughs> Comedy Store would like you to know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are strictly those of the speakers or authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions held by the Comedy Store and its affiliates. I'm just kidding. Oh, this is I, great. Uh, used to do a joke newsletter and sell them to the radio stations in the towns I performed across the country. Oh, you're kidding. This became internet radio in an age when internet radio was put your favorite songs up. Like, so, so I got a Peabody Award nomination for my internet radio. That's amazing. When? What year is this? Uh, 2001 till 2007. Okay. So you just put songs on? like? Oh, no. It's jokes. Parodies or it's comedy? Just jokes. Just oh, it's jokes. just jokes. Oh, okay. I'm so confused. Jokes, jokes. I love it. I'm a writer. I write jo- more jokes than I can use. I will. We're going to. And then uh, the spoken version of that is what became the internet radio. As I say, oh, okay. I'm sitting in my bedroom in, in, in my underwear yelling at my computer. <laughs> That's just what we do. I yep. mean, we just, the only thing is Rick and I aren't allowed to wear underwear here. Otherwise, yeah, we would. Well, right? I mean, there's rules. I was, I was pushing really. for it, but apparently Eleanor is a registered sex offender. True. And I, I I'm a still a registered dot. child. Mm-hmm. So That little dot right there says, <laughs> nay, nay. That follows me everywhere. So, but welcome to the Comedy Store podcast. Yes, I'm Eleanor Kerrigan. I'm Rick Ingram, and we have Lou Deck. Yes, I'm very excited to get. I love that you came prepared with all this stuff. Yeah, you had questions. You have so much knowledge, and people love the old stories of the Comedy Store. So, can we start to like when you first got here? Okay. um, Yes. I'm attending the University of Texas. Okay. Which means I wanted to show this to Argus. Oh, no. Look at that. Look at he yeah. wore orange for Argus. Tear that boomer sooner to the ground. Oh. Rivals. Rivals. Good. Oklahoma. Good. Yes. Boomer sooner to the day I die. He does a great Argus if you I want to be I started by here. doing public access TV in Austin, Texas. And uh, after a couple of things, we noticed we would give the public a porta pack video and go off and make your show, bring it back to us, we'll put it on the air, and they'd keep coming back broken. So we decided to send one of our guys out with every one of them, and you became the host producer. Oh, and okay. And a couple of them, this one in particular, was a bunch of engineering students on the campus of University of Texas, stole some bicycles and put them on their roof and put a windmill on it and started generating electricity. And by because of a new law in Austin, the company had to lay a line and buy the electricity. Oh, wow. And I was rather was sarcastic during this 30-minute show. And okay. Somebody came to me afterwards and said, um, you're funny. I'd like you to do some comedy for me. And I went, I'm a producer. I'm in television. I, he says, I pay 50 bucks a show. I said, when do you need me? <laughs> I pay 50 Money bucks pretty a much. show. <laughs> I watched Carson for two weeks. I stole five or ten jokes. Uh-oh. From people I would meet here <laughs> two years later. This explains. Okay. I got it. And we started doing, it was a ballet and mime troupe needed an MC. So ballet he didn't even mime. know what stand-up was, neither did I, but I walked out and started doing 10 minutes at the front of his show and introducing the bits, and he kept paying me. Okay. Somebody from Houston saw me, where I had moved from to Austin, and invited me back to Houston to write for a radio guy. We beat 
Johnny Carson in the ratings at 11.30 on a UHF wow. channel on Friday night, seven weeks in a row when the ratings came out. I packed my badge and hitchhiked to... Wait a minute. You hitchhiked? I hitchhiked to... down here. That's old school. What year was that? That's killer. 75. Yeah. There's only like a, only a quarter my of the people were that. murderers then. <laughs> now it's like 80%. So I came into the room wearing... I had mailed myself a suit, care of general delivery in Burbank, because I had to go see Carson. Okay. And I got my suit. I got it pressed. I came here on a Sunday night. I asked Mincy to put me on. I was awful. <laughs> she she says, loves well, that. we're doing something else in the club in Westwood. Maybe you want to go over there, but I have a two-drink minimum. I was smart. I don't drink. I was smart enough at the time to pull out a 20, and I'd say, by yourself, a couple of drinks. And Whoa. She, she, she had called Ollie, and he had Ollie Joe Prater. And he put me on open mic night the next night and hired me as a doorman. Nice. Argus and Ali hid me from Mitzi for six months. (laughs) Okay. Because I was no good. (laughs) Was Ali, he was in charge of hiring people? No, he was manager of Westwood. Oh, I I don't think I knew that. Yeah. And at the time. I I have him as something else. (laughs) Westwood had. It is uh, it, it's the same building where the new Christy Minstrels found their fame. Okay, <laughs> and it's gone back to being that kind of restaurant again. It's like but it, there was a Italian restaurant, there was yeah, a right? half a block, dead end alley. And when Ollie's car died, we pushed back at the back of the alley, and he lived out of his van and slept in the club. Oh wow! So I'm there on the sidewalk. He's left the lights on from the night before. <laughs> the flickering lights in the marquees. And I'm looking at it, and he comes bursting out the door, and he move aside, and he pukes in the sidewalk because <gasps> he knows the street cleaner will be by in thirty, forty minutes and clean it up. Smart. Now Ollie's a big guy. Yeah. Like, well, at the was time that... he was just three hundred. Oh, only three hundred <laughs> pounds. Okay. Yeah, for a five six guy, that's not that. <laughs> Which is impressive it's a great for shape. a drug addict. Like I always yeah. find that impressive. He was four ten when he died. Yes, he was four ten. Oh, he just kicked. Gravity yeah, bro, kept pushing yeah. him down. <laughs> he squashed so, himself. I became a Westwood doorman. Argus was the king of Westwood in those days. Yes, and Argus was uh, somewhat, shall we say, arrogant. No, I believe late. that. And Ollie would put me on to start the show. So, and this was like 76. I got here okay, in seventy five. I came back six months later at Mitzi's invitation. Got it. Got a day. To my, uh, got a Westwood job. My second day in town. So they must have just lo- fell in love with you because to hide you from Mitzi and help you develop—that's a big deal for people back then. No, like I'm a Dale Carnegie guy. How to win friends and influence people. Okay. Okay. Um, grew up, I'm from Texas, but I my parents moved to Georgia, so I grew up in Georgia. So you're a nice, fine Southern gentleman. Well, I am a Southern gentleman, well, but I that doesn't say mean what you sugar. think it does. It, oh. it means that Damn. I'm bound by a code that I believe. And okay. I, would, I would not lie to somebody. I would not hurt somebody. I would not sexually oppress somebody. Wait, are you making fun of me? Oh. No, ma'am. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He, he could tell you're a sexual oppressor. Right. Was I lasted so long with Mitzi. Yeah. A, I don't drink. She kept firing exactly. people right and left for being drunk on the job. She knew I didn't drink. She also knows I smoked pot, so she was fairly lenient about pot, that. Pot was never bothered her. Well. well drunk alcoholism her, makes you weird. Phases. She had mm-hmm. her phases. She was completely into alcohol when I met her. She moved on to other stuff for a couple of years and yeah. then ragged on her. But when she saw what it did to the comic population, she backed off with all of it. I do not know what she did in her own bedroom. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, I put the video in the shore home Ooh. many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what video is that? 
I'd have to check with Polly to see if I can talk about it. Why? We have a disclaimer. Polly's been on the podcast. Oh, he knows. Well, yeah. well, I'm sure. It's his, first, there was security cameras over the back porch because it was you could get over her. Oh yes. Balustrade or whatever. You Is call this it. on Doheny or a different one? On Doheny. On Doheny. Okay. And um, she, God, she went out and bought this incredible dresser thing that had an automatic electric thing and. The TV would come up. Oh yeah, okay, that's old school. Yeah, I mean, they still the, sell those sometimes. Now, this is the age of Betamax. Okay. So I went over and put in a Betamax so she could watch tapes. Mm-hmm. Her favorite movie is The Postman Always Rings Twice. Right. Okay. So I got her, her the first copy she ever had of that. That's awesome. And then she said, "Can I put cameras in other rooms?" And I did. And, and this is just, was it to spy on her kids, to spy on the comics partying? Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. See who's stealing. Me included. <laughs> so yeah. I would turn to the camera no matter where I was and go, I bet you don't see me doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always been able to say to every one of her lovers, don't fuck with me. Cause, pardon me. I beg your pardon. Oh, oh no, you, Hey. Okay. You sleep don't trust me. There's I'm, a lot of cursing. I'm the video guy. <laughs> no worries. I, I've told Letterman, I'm after my current project for the last two years, I published an article called A Star for Mitzi. I want to get Mitzi a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's That'd be cool. amazing. And deserved. As it turns out Jeff Scott used to work for the commerce, yes. this very yes, company. Yes. So he's educated me mm-hmm. and that uh, I've been seeking family approval for two years. At the memorial, Peter and Polly both came over and hung me, uh, hugged me and said, we will get her a star. Okay. I'm going to tell you the Shore family claims a lot. Yeah. I will get this star if I have to kill both of them or <laughs> anybody that stands in my way. Don't you, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not positive on this. I always assume because now when they give people stars, it's almost always promotion for a movie. Is there some sort of a monetary yes. required? Yes. 33 thousand i knew you could pay yeah. i knew you could pay to and do they it only do a certain amount of each category a year meaning live or dead right and so since mincy is no longer with us she will qualify for the second category in the producer's department like david o selznick has a star yeah right. there's a little symbol for producers right yeah uh and i told letterman i will publish these videotapes of her house if he doesn't come Snigging <laughs> up the star. Well, he didn't oh, come. Nice. The Hollywood Board of Commerce is more interested in than anything else. They want to stars can yeah. be put on the sidewalk for the unveiling. To stand there, right? I think there's more than David Letterman that would show up. Yeah, well, but Letterman is saying. a big name, though. Like that's, well, and he's not really into the whole Hollywood well, thing. Well, he had so. a chance to come to the um, absolutely memorial. He did. Yeah, he was in town. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and hanging with Argus and uh, Thomerson. Oh. And split ahead of time on purpose. Yeah. He he said on his TV show, and then just go to YouTube and look many times. Without the comedy store, he wouldn't have had it. Yeah, right. But he doesn't necessarily want to do this. Yeah, I haven't asked him. When I do, I'll blackmail him. If I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have to blackmail him, well, I'm no, sorry. I'm this is the comedy store. We got to get this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, right. we handle exactly business it. around yeah. here. We mean so, business. So in the end, I got to stay with Mincy for the longest time because I don't drink, I don't steal. Although I have taken 200 ashtrays out on tour and given them to club owners. Smart. Oh, what comedy store ashtrays? Yes. I, I have a few of those at home. You, you know what I do now? What I give away comedy store T-shirts. Oh, nice. Old ones or like Whatever through the years? Sell me. I, bought, I bought 10 tonight. Oh, wow. That's so nice of you. And 
if you'd like to come by after the show, I have one for each of you. Uh, what I want to prove to you now is that the comedy store is a tradition that has lasted since 1972. Isn't that amazing? You have more though? graduates, you have more great comics, and I'm not a great comic. I'm a good comic. Okay. There's, there's. I a, love your honesty. There's, there's a difference. Yeah. I, I, I guesstimate that I have made more doing stand up than anybody but two doormen. Because <gasps> I have worked 90% of the time of my 25 year career. And who are the two doormen? Blake Clark. Okay. And Polly. Okay. I like Bro. that. Oh. Did, well, right? Paul, well, the trick is how much did you get paid? How often did you get paid for how long? Yeah. Polly has now lasted. Absolutely. When I first went out on tour with Ali Joe Prater, he paid me a thousand a week to do a two men show and I opened and did thirty. And nice. I did not have thirty. <laughs> I, so I've, I've been you? there. Well, I, I developed thirty very quickly. Wait, for th- I can understand fifteen, but thirty. I mean when I first when I first started getting I got past my first showcase and it was very lucky and completely undeserved. But Mitzi <laughs> saw whatever she saw. And uh, she gave me spots next night, and I had about three minutes of not that <laughs> solid material <laughs> that I had to quickly turn into fifteen, and uh, and then it was just a brutal couple years of just basically you know, being a fraud. You'll try yeah. anything, and you're like, yeah, yeah I'll just, you know, I just don't want to do the same stuff. Is the, the key reason why for me tonight is I know what happened to me when she chose me, and she yeah. Hated my performance. <laughs> Absolutely. Hated. For, for a whole year, she wouldn't let me tell a whole joke, uh, one joke on stage. I have to play the crowd. Just show them who you are. Everybody does a Mitzi, right? Yeah. Of course. Oh, just be yourself. Damn it. Don't tell your jokes. They're so bad. Yeah. That's terrible. So Why I would you do the that? attitude of I can spot any person in any room. Because for two years, I had to know when Mitzi was in the room, not to stop telling a joke and ask him where they were from. <laughs> How do you Smart. not feel it when she came in the room? Well, because no, I, I used to feel it when she was in the room. Know Mitzi, mm-hmm. like I do. Yeah, you know, the room changes. Yes, yeah. total. I mean, he the whole knows too. So at some point, I get kidnapped. Uh, Alan Stevens, Mitchell Walters, uh, Ali Joe Prater, and Argus appear in the Comedy Store limo over at, uh, at Sunset. I mean, over at Westwood. Okay. And Mitzi wants to see me. <gasps> that afternoon, we've all been out to like a local buffet, and I won the eating contest with Ali. <laughs> what? I, you beat Ali? I, I was 6'4 and 180. I could eat forever. Okay. Uh, look, I'm a thin guy. Yeah. Yeah. Number eight. Number uh, I was going to ask if that was you earlier because yeah, you skipped um, that picture. Oh, I did. And I went so to the I taller. Had a totally oh, full stomach. An hour and a half later, they force me into the car. They drive me to Sunset, and Mitzi's waiting in her booth to see me. Yeah. I'm in my 30th second, and I hear Mitzi say, he's awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I almost puked on stage. <laughs> I get it. I told one more joke. It got a laugh. I said, thank you tonight. It was when the bathroom was in the back of the original. Yeah. Went back to the back of the room and puked in the bathroom. <laughs> and you could hear her standing outside the men's room just laughing. I'm not going to fire it. you, Lowe. <laughs> you can stay in Westwood. She's, but she saw something at least. Well, first off, I was a good doorman. Right. I mean, look at Shanling. She kept him around for all those years and didn't uh, pass. She sent her. him away. Oh, she sent him away. She sent him away. Oh. Mitzi was very particular. If she gave you an instruction and you didn't follow it, she didn't want you anymore. Got it. So she told Gary to try to write a certain way and do a certain attitude, and he didn't do it, so she sent him away. 
while he's away, he publishes two, I mean, he sells two Barney Miller scripts. Right. He takes an improv, uh, I think he was in the, not the Groundlings, but the L.A. Connection. Oh, okay. Uh, and then comes back with an entirely different attitude and act, and she loved him the second he walked back in, but he was away for six months. Oh, wow. wow. And that when he came back, he credited her with forcing him into a direction where he had to think about it. Now, have you seen the the Shandling documentary, oh, yeah. Abitow? In, yeah, intense. Oh, I thought he my. did a great job. And let me tell you, at the one hour and 11 minute mark, they show a picture of Robin Williams standing beside my office, the video room, and this plaque, not this one, but the one that says video by Lou Deck is on the wall. Oh, so that's I made, so cool. I made it to that one. <laughs> that's uh, great. Uh, well... I was her personal assistant for all of the early productions, the um, Buckshot, uh, Live at the Comedy Store with Buddy Rich. That's the, amazing. The These are like the pilots and stuff she made? No. Yeah, uh, yeah the uh, Buddy Rich one was uh, more of a, was that a pilot? Would you consider uh, that? It was a special. It was a special. And right. it aired on the Playboy Network. Yes. See, that one aired. The other ones you're thinking of are like, um, I don't know if you were involved in these like oh, meter no, made. Comedy and, Channel work. Yeah, that one. When she was trying to get the Comedy uh, Channel up. Trying to think, I asked Argus about six months ago when the day was. In, in, in 1981, Mitzi decides she wants to become a big time producer. Right. So there's the National Cable Symposium cable sh- uh, show in New Orleans, and she says she wants to go. I try to explain to her that it's 10 days. Why would you try to explain anything? Well, because. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm the video guy. He's trying to, he's try, he's trying to, to do to his show, job. He's trying to rationalize. We're going to show our videotapes. Yeah. She wanted to be uh, uh, an exposition um, act like Showtime and HBO. And oh, okay. That, yeah. By the way, the Weather Channel was born at that symposium. Oh, neat. So I had said to her about eight months before that, Mitzi, copyright the comedy channel. Yeah. That's why there's no com- why Comedy Central is Comedy Central. They went into business Comedy as a Comedy Channel, and we sued their ass. I remember that. And I mean, they, and they had, I remember reading yeah, about and that. And they had to pull it back. Right. So we own Mitzi. The Comedy Store owns the Comedy Channel. We we, and in ten days, she called up enough important people that we had the suite next to Showtime, and on the bottom floor of the exposition, we're across from HBO. Argus and I accompanied her down. And we did a booth. And because of a couple arguing constantly, (laughs) we didn't sell anything except some clients I had brought in want to do interstitial. So that was the first time Buckshot aired outside of ABC was they just cut it up and did. Buckshot was 10 comics talking about the same subject. Here's Diane Nichols talking about dating. Here's Argus talking about, you know. Oh, okay. And then, and then the subject changed and the same 10 come back into a joke. Oh, that's awesome. The idea like a, a shotgun shoots buckshot, a wide pattern. Yeah, sprays it. Yeah. 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 So um, she got real discouraged and backed off of production. But I, I know the Comedy Channel is still owned by the Comedy Store. And you're waiting Absolutely. To see the future if that doesn't kick up right now. If I could get a meeting with Peter, I would uh, try to advance it because that's my. That was your baby right here at the comedy yeah. store. Yeah. She never, ever really thought I was a good act. She loved me as a host because I'm honest. I'm I know when the show's supposed to start and how to tell them where the bathrooms are and <laughs> right, in right. Two minutes. Handle in business. Fact, that's my first times on at the comedy store where 
were on paid nights because Argus was late, and Ollie would send me on to start the show, not necessarily to do any time, I right. do any jokes, but to call on and welcome it in. I'm a southern gentleman. I can make you feel at home. I can get you. I can build a focus. Right. So, uh, my first ten times on at Westwood were not on Pollock night. They were on regular nights when Argus was late. Oh. Then Argus got to where he didn't want to go on first. Right. Unless I opened for him. Ah, oh, so is that where it do, started? Mitchie saw that me makes do sense. a couple of those, and when I got to Sunset, I was the back doorman, the first ever back doorman here. First ever? What do you mean? Why? It was unpatrolled. There were no doormen. Oh. It was uh, Harris Pete in front. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, nobody got by that. Harris P. was still the front door man when I got here. <laughs> no one does <laughs> terrible attitude like Harris Pete. The stuff that Harris and I we went through Harris. during the strike, you would not believe. <laughs> I, believe yeah, I really want to get into the strike stuff, okay, too. So, so I'm just trying to lay the groundwork. No, no, it's perfect. I got hired as, forgive me, an adult in a comedy world. I, I happen to be the, the nearest responsible adult in a field of com- comedians. Right, yeah. and there were mayhem here. I right. mean, they were drinking right. and partying. So, and so toward the end, we'd close the original down. I'd take the cash and the drop over to her house late at night. Yeah. Okay, now... You were reliable, which is <laughs> a rare that's, thing. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. And then over the years, she would take a lover... When they were done in bed, they'd last about three months, and they'd be invited to leave. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's only one person I know that has survived that. Okay. Good to be yeah. here. Good to be Hey, Argus, how are you? Uh, careful, don't get me in trouble. Argus. Oh, no, no, Argus, we no. I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the blame. In those days, we all, we all had a big brother that sponsored you to Mitzi. Yeah. Ollie sponsored me to Mitzi because... Argus loved you as well. Yes, and he's my big brother. Right. But when it came down time to go, Argus was, he was going to beat Carson. You you have no idea how oh, close yeah, he we got had to, him on. To, we... to winning that job. Yeah. yeah. And then cocaine came in. Yeah, as I said, partied away. He Mitzi's lover. And I don't want to really say much more past that. He say, he told all, yes. yeah. So but he it's very open, like I said. It's not that he's just Argus. He's my big brother. Got it. I prefer not to insult him unless he was here. That's right. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Rick does a great impression of him. And Argus said uh, I was he was going to do it. Yeah, but like we said something on Twitter about how he's going to be on. And people were like, do dueling Arguses. And so he told him, like, yeah, people want to hear dueling Arguses. He said, I heard it's great. Uh, I love that you do it. I just don't ever want to see it. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Argus, doesn't it? Isn't yeah. it great how that's he does That sounds like it. He's really good. I was unhappy with you, Rick, for what oh, you yeah, did. Oh, yeah, he was mad at for you. For what you did at um, Sammy's birthday party. What did I do? Mentioning the very same thing you were mentioning oh, in yeah. much more graphic terms. Yeah. That's why Argus left the room. I was six feet from you. If I'm, on, if I'm you on stage, I was right here. Okay. I almost came on stage after you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it would have been entertaining. Yeah, I don't want to embarrass Sammy. <laughs> I'm fully well prepared to embarrass Polly and Peter. Sure. Well, I, I think that's what he was... At one point, I had to drive the comedy store uh, Van? Brown station wagon. Oh, um, wow. So I had to pick up Polly and Peter from kindergarten elementary school. Uh, one of the stories in my in my book is uh, I should have shot Polly Shore. Oh. <laughs> I could have rubbed the little bastard out then. We wouldn't have to there put up go. with these bad movies or the attitude. And that article got 10 million hits online. Nice. 
And they approached me to write the book off that article. So I kind of owe it to him. I gave him a copy of the book before it was published. As we know, Paulie doesn't read. No, he does not. So there's never what? any danger there. I, re- I read his manuscript down here that was oh, sitting in a box. Brilliant. It was spectacular. And I know he didn't write it, but it was still that someone was able to the, the capture point I'm that. The trying to make was after you're reliable for long enough at the comedy store, they heap responsibility on you. Yeah. As I'm sure you're familiar with. Absolutely. So toward the end, I was hosting, uh, emceeing, and uh, doing two hours of improv a night. I went from being, oh, here's a great story. Yes. One night, uh, improv's been, it's about 70, late 78. Improv's been in the main room for about six weeks. And this is the Monday night player. Yes. Game. Well, okay. it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, she did it Monday. Okay. Well, it started Monday and very quickly went to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. So several of the doormen, Harris, Pete, and myself, not Blake because he's not here yet. Kevin Kelton. Uh, we're standing in the door to the hall watching the improvisers. Well, what the hell is that? It, they did something like that last night, but it's not what they did last night. What the yeah. are they doing? And Mincy walks up. Why aren't you at your post? You're supposed to be at the front door. You're supposed to be at low. I said, Mincy, we're trying to figure out what they're doing. He said, doing improv, but we don't call it that. We never say that word at sunset. That's right. right. Ever, ever, ever. It's sacrilegious. Group, group comedy. Yeah. So Comedy you want to go players. play, Lou? Uh, sure. She's go on stage. What do you mean? The Potluck Players is an open group. They do an hour up front of Spolin Techniques. And that uh, the mighty Greg Dean was the uh, yeah. was the uh, director of the Potluck Players. So I know Greg Dean from stand-up. I walked over to him as he's on stage doing an emotional symphony <laughs> and said, Mitzi sent me to be in the group. He says, No. I walked back to Mitzi, and I said, he said, no. And she, she said, you go tell him I sent you. Oh, I mean, doesn't Greg know it's no, yes and always? <laughs> Harris Pete followed me over. It's a great joke, over. by the way. Harris followed me over as I went to, to Greg and said, Mitzi wants me to be. And she says, maybe turn around, not might. Harris just walked in, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, walked him out the front of the main room, and held him on the sidewalk and said, this is Mitzi. This is Mitzi's club. When she asks for something, you do it. Now, you're out. You want to get back in? Go welcome Lou in the group. <gasps> Meantime, I'm standing there. I don't know what the technique is. <laughs> Emotional Symphony is a nonverbal piece where each player is assigned an emotion, and the director lines you up as a choir and points at you to use your emotion, and he plays it like an organ. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know that. Yeah. So Mitzi yells, you lead the group, Lou. <gasps> Now, I saw him kneeling in front of him and pointing, so I started doing that. Then I looked over. He's standing right to me. He says, I'm prepared to take over, Lou. Would you like to join our group? I said, yes, sir. I said, where do you want me? He says, stand right there. And I don't know what they're doing. And he was ready <laughs> to point that out. Yes. And he came at me, and I screamed, Deo! <laughs> and it got a big laugh. And I looked over at Mitzi. <laughs> So now he's weaving in my verbal with their nonverbal, and I'm just singing, daylight comes and you got to go home. I love it. And it murdered. Yeah. I am now a member of the Pilot Players. They they actually give me a book. Now, I will tell you I am the least talented comic to ever come out of the comedy store. (laughs) I know what talent is. They pay me to find it. I know you two are talented. Oh, thank you. But I will tell you I'm skilled. I'm a public speaker. A linguist. I used the power of words, okay. and I figured out why people laugh. It took me a long, long time. <laughs> but that 
at this point now, when they gave me a book and said, here's how to do improv, Viola Spolin's improv, Improvisational Games for the Theater, uh-huh. I went home and read it in two days. Now I understand what they're doing. It turns out I'm in a team act called Heck and Deck. <laughs> okay. And we're doing two of her pieces. We just don't know that there's a way to do it. So we're rumbling through a bit. This bit shows me right away how to do Poet Translator, and our act improves 30% overnight. Oh, wow. And we're doing freeze tags and uh, Man on the Streets and uh, Figure Eight, uh, just Spolin Improv. Yeah. But after a while, Greg Dean, the director, wanted to move up into the next group. This is the the comedy class guy? Yeah, same, same guy. guy. Okay. And let me tell you, the best teacher in Los Angeles. I've okay. been to his classes. I've known him for 30 years. I subscribe to his methods. He, and he, I think he's the best teacher in L.A. He, I know a better interesting. teacher. Interesting. He tried to get me fired from the back door, so, yeah, so well, I don't care for him. You but notice he's fighting. not here anymore, don't you? Uh, yeah. He took, he got in a fight with Sandy. Oh, okay. Oh, is that when he got out that well, early? Sandy fight with Sandy. And didn't want anybody else to teach. Oh, okay. Because he was teaching and, 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 here. Oh, well, yes, he yeah. was. Yeah, he, he, he used to do. Him for years. Yeah. But just as a co- working comic, I'm telling you. He's marvelous. I believe, and, like, and he graduates his uh, his class out of the improv every. Uh, that's two you're not allowed to say that. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather you drop f bombs. <laughs> Just kidding. Got me. <laughs> but my point was, after a while, things came my way. Um, there were two acts. One is Robert Aguayo. We called him Uncle Bobby. And another guy named Danny Mora who were acts. Oh, I know Danny, yeah. Danny Mora actually was Freddie Prinze's best friend yeah. in Chico and the Man. So he was a working actor as well as a, a fair stand-up. Mm-hmm. They had a class. I had taken it with my partner 10 or 12 times. And then suddenly the class moved to here in the first from Westwood to Sunset in the main room. And then I, in the first class, uh, Mitzi walked in the first class on a Sunday afternoon, scared the heck out of them. Yeah. Oh, I bet. They went over to her. They had convinced her to buy videos. She went on her own. And I don't know if you're old enough to remember the name, Madman Munts here in, um, in California. He's the guy that Mm-mm. innovated four-track and eight-track tapes back in the 60s. Wow. Okay. So she went to him. He was the Cal Worthington of video. Okay. <laughs> she went to him, bought some equipment with no supervision. Cal Worthington's the car dealer. Car dealer, right? Yes. Okay, just making sure because so not Cal every- Worthington was a, a car dealer in Long Beach and ran seventy-five commercials a day. Yeah, yeah. he was really annoying. I just, well, yeah. I just seen people sharing the vid, like the mashups of all the different commercials. Yeah, yeah, of- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but the the, the trick is. For Cal Worthington or most of the bad car dealers you see now, they pay themselves incredible money to do the commercials. There's a furniture thing in the valley that uses the kids. That's how the kids go to college. They do commercials with granddad and get five grand for saying, here. Yeah. So they can write all that Are they off. they hiring? It's, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take I'm it. dying over And then here. at some point, Mitzi realized she could promote herself. Yes. And that she decided the comics needed video. Well, she went and bought this equipment. The two, the two teachers of, of stand-up class had no idea how to work that equipment. And one of them turned to me and says, didn't you tell me you used to do this in college and that's what you did? I said, yeah, she's come with me and took me back to meet Mitzi. And she says, make it work, 10 boxes on the floor. <laughs> I had it taking <laughs> shots in less than three minutes and I got to be the director of video. That's uh, so cool. So did you film comics here? Yes. Like, okay. 
But wasn't that anti her policy for the like? Uh, isn't no. that why we, Sandy we got made in trouble? Sure nobody else could film here, so our product was the only exclusive. Product. Right, because I remember the video library. Like she would, I'd sit in there and I could watch like Judy Gold and a couple other. They she had like Judy Tim Gold. Thomerson. Yeah, t- Judy was my favorite, and Tim Thomerson. All those guys like old VHSs. The, you remember that? You were just right? watching Stagecoach for days. Pretty much, yeah. Stagecoach bit was if the you shit. Saw anything <laughs> shot in Westwood, the original or the main room. A couple of those, yeah. Those are mine. Okay, and so, so, but here's the thing: she would film that, or you guys would film that, and then she would only video. keep it here. It was video. But what would she use it for? Is what I'm the, asking. Like the comic to learn what he was doing on stage. They wanted, oh. they wanted Argus to do the Tonight Show, but he, he, in the three, four week work up to it, he would not settle down and pick a lineup. Missy got him to sit down and pick a lineup. I would tape him doing it in the original room. We'd go back to the video room and watch it and talk about which joke didn't work. And then we'd go do it in the belly room. We'd oh, it's actually so like formatting is five minutes set. Yeah. But three but he times, wouldn't use three it for times sub- a night for three weeks. Yeah. But he wouldn't so, use it for submission, like to submit that, to get something. You know what I'm nobody saying? Nobody would take it in those days. Okay. They wanted tape from a TV show, not... Not, not actual, not, okay. Not, 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 like, like, so who got to use the video because it was 30 bucks a shot was only Mitzi's boys. Yes. Lo- Lois Bromfield included. Mm-hmm. I've seen hers, yeah. Binders Ollie, I've seen. Argus, Biff Maynard. Biffy. Uh, Biffy. So, but when it came down to comics paying money to, so I could make some money, I had no clients. Yeah. So I dragged the video into the main room for the improv and started holding classes for the Pollock players in my office afterwards, and suddenly our group became five times stronger Better. on the stage. Well, yeah, because you're... And then I started taking it around town with me without telling her. Uh-oh. One <laughs> That's point, dishonest. She's mad because she wanted cable TV here, and it was like $500 a month. Yeah. So I'm living in Crest Hill. I went and bought 500 feet of cable. I got cable in Crestville and dropped a line to her office. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> in those amazing. days, we had a black and white camera from the original room to her office, and she could watch and see whatever was going on in the original room anytime she wanted to. <laughs> so Crest Hill is up the hill, and you had a wire come down to door, her office. If you stand at the back door and look and see the house on yeah. the hill, the furthest west. I, I one, lived in Crest Hill. house over. Mm-hmm. I lived in the basement for... I'm sorry, I didn't live in there. I used to hang in there. My friends yeah, lived in there. Yeah. Freddie Soto and, yeah. and Jason Hartz, and yeah. they all lived. We were, they were the, the last of the did Mohicans. Did you see the BuzzFeed article about uh, Cresto? I didn't. Is that the one that guy wrote? Um, who wrote it? I can't think I think of I saw Jeff Scott sharing it huh? maybe like a year ago or something. And that yeah, was, I've got it on my homepage, but um, I'd, I'd have to get the name. If it was his name, Dave something? I forget. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. and ironically enough, he's from my hometown, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay. So he Wait flew out. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was, he, I was he, going he, Texas. He flew out and interviewed a bunch of us. Yeah. For the for the piece. That's great. I Is that mentioned, the article I that mentioned in one paragraph? I spent four hours with him. I gave him. The same <laughs> oh, you're kidding! I gave him the same yearbook to take back to Atlanta. It took him three months to get it back to me. He was looking for the juicy, famous yeah, things. It's like, it. yeah. I wouldn't say it. You're being you're Good being you. loyal yeah. to people. Well, no, I mean, I he's looking for in a comedy store guy. I'd have hashed around the old times like yeah. anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who's looking for the Carl LeBove gonna kill yeah. dice stories? Or, yeah, which was Carl, Carl finding, told it, or Carl finding his wife with Sam. Yeah, there's he a told lot those of stories. Really bad times at Crest Hill during the Kennison period. Right. 
Yeah. He got, like, uh, Carl was on and he told those stories about k- trying to kill there dice. Are, there are things he didn't tell. <laughs> yeah, I would are imagine. Yeah. Sam was a nasty man. I agree. I, I love, like, his comedy, yeah, it's funny. He's fucking hilarious. Well, but to, to take a reality look at, at Christianity hadn't been done. Right. Yeah. And Which was amazing. It was but, definitely. But to, I'm a stand-up and a, and a mechanic. He was a one-trick pony. He had one trick, and he yeah. had to frame it around 35 different premises. Yeah. Yeah. We beg and wonder what Sam would have done if he'd ever gotten to a thousand shows. Right. He, I uh, mean, he would have had a. The, the 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 documentary that was on Spike. The thing that bothered me was the the way that they. I've just heard so many stories. I've been here 15 years, and I've heard a lot of different people telling me different stories and Sam stories. I didn't like, and I understand that his brother was involved in making it, but I didn't like that they tried to present it like Sam was uh, a victim. And, nope. and, and like every every, I watched it, and when it got done, I just kept thinking, like, I've heard so many stories about Sam the bully. Yeah. And they just kind of... Skipped Rushed over that. Goldstein ring a bell? Yes. Yeah. yeah Mark, very okay. well. Uh, I don't even work here. Ollie and I are on tour. I've been gone three, four years. In 88, Mincy called me back. Well, she called Ollie back, and since I was touring, he said, what am I going to do with Lou? She said, bring him back. I'll give him work. And we did the yearbook. This one? Yeah. For Mincy. 15-year uh, class for you. I'm only in it three places, but they show me as director of the video. They show me as uh, one of the original pages from Westwood and uh, on the basketball team. That's great. Oh, so I was going to say earlier, I went to the non-paid regular bar, the old video room. Yeah. yeah. I walked in. The door was open. Nobody's there. It's not open. And I, I looked around. I'm feeling the vibes, and I look over, and my basketball picture is there. Yeah. It, a great big one. Yeah. And I gave that to Adam. Adam, he came g- back and did a spot right after I'm Dying Up Here came out. Right. Uh, he, oh, that's he great. He had a, a book, a signing at Book Soup. Mm-hmm. So I went to the book signing. He introduces me to everybody, but I had gone ahead and called in. And Adam told me, we don't use old comics anymore. Yeah. And I says, I'm not familiar with who you are, sir. But Mitzi said I could come back for the rest of my life. Would you <laughs> ask Mitzi? You know, she's a short little Jewish girl. <laughs> That's hilarious. Terrifying woman. She's yeah. Emperor. Yes. Ask her. Well, okay. 30 minutes later, phone rings. She says, No, well, Mitzi remembers you. You're on it <laughs> at 9.15 by This was Argus. Adam or Tommy? Huh? It was Adam or Tommy? I'm not sure. Okay. I thought it was Adam. What year was this? It might have been. Three years ago, four years ago. Oh. Yeah, it could have been either. It was probably Adam. Either one. But to ask Mitzi is an odd bird thing to say. She wasn't talking at that point. Adam was doing the, uh, I call it the ridding the world of the Barry Diamond issue. Well, I understand. I hope you can understand my viewpoint. When I came to Mitzi's memorial, I I came early. Yeah, I remember you were one of the first ones here. I was very I excited was about that. I was the first person here yeah. with Joey Gaynor. And you know what I did for the first hour? I acted as the back doorman. <laughs> that's what Mitzi wanted me to do. That's cool. Yeah. I, I look over and Tim Thomerson is standing there. Nobody knows him. He was very early, too. Nobody, I knew him. Nobody, well, I mean, when he was standing I was there, excited. he was freaking out. Yeah. Nobody knew him. He didn't know what to do. I walked over. I introduced myself. He remembered me. I just listen. I will take care of this, okay? And they're going to set up a table right here. When they came and set the table up, I went and got the lady that was in charge. Yeah. And told her, Tim Thomas is one of our biggest stars. Please Absolutely. Please make sure he gets in. And he was and, on the list. Yes. Yeah, he was everywhere. Well, yeah, but we were all early. 
Ah, I got it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think whatever the time was. I, I think was you here guys were here before, before I was. Yeah. It's like tonight. I got here about seven fifteen. I love you that. You know what I did for thirty minutes? I pretended I was the back doorman. Aww. <laughs> you want to work tonight? Don't let you. Well, let's <laughs> just. It's, uh, this uh, is my club. Mitzi said it would always be. I'm an original. Yeah. Comedy store production. And now nobody knows me, and I make sure to go up to every doorman with a five dollar bill in my hand. The point is, I had so many incredible things happen to me in the confines of 8433 Sunset that yeah. when I did go out, I was prepared yeah. to be a stand-up comic. Right. Okay, let's talk I about I want to talk the, about the strike. Okay. Like, so when that started, what, 78? 79. 79, yeah. okay. But the talks and everything well, it, uh, it were a while. It basically started because we got the building from Art Le- LeBeau, who right. used to have a disco room in the main Next room. Next door. And he was trying to make Mitzi leave the original room. Okay. Unknowing that a gentleman from Chicago named Frank Sinis Mm -hmm. owns the land, that land, this land, that land, almost every plot of land between here and the whiskey. Oh, wow. He was a, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we know the story. A bag man. For Mr. Capone right. and investing mob profits yes. by buying land on Sunset Strip in the 30s. Smart. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So. Embezzlement was prohibition. Gold years. had met yeah. Mr. Sennis a couple of times just simply as the landowner and a former showbiz guy. Mm-hmm. And he got pissed off at Art LeBeau. So he forced Art LeBeau to, to finish his lease and gave the building to Mitzi. Amazing. Two years later. Mitzi gets the idea that instead of the original, she can add on the main room for the old acts. So we had uh, Dick Gregory, Soupy Sales, wow. Godfrey Cambridge, uh, Mort Saul. Uh, it's all in the yearbook, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and they ate it. 50 tickets. They ate it. Because her, her goal was to have those big names in well, there. Well, they had a showroom, and yeah. she thought the best way Buddy to get Hackett's the showroom was by using name acts from, from Vegas. a decade ago. Right. And it died. Yeah. So uh, one of the nights, we even hired Tiny Tim. Mm-hmm. One of the nights, they acted in the show, and Mitzi had to throw on a show. She called it the best of the comedy stars. She put the, the five best acts she could find from the main room. And other acts went on, and I mean, from the original. Other acts went on in the original form, and she put on the best of the comedy store. And by the end of the night, we had a sold-out house. Wow! So Seven. people just walking in off the street. Well, no, like... we had Harris in front deflecting people. Okay, from the, so from he was the barking out here. there. The belly wasn't open yet. Okay. And that, so then she got the idea. So to redecorate the main room because it was a disco room with a huge ball disco. Is that why they had the disco ball in there? (laughs) Because it was a disco? They still had a disco ball in there like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, shit, yeah. So to pay for the redecoration of the main room to turn it into a comedy showroom, Mitzi raised the cover charge from $3 to $5. Some New York, not Los Angeles-based comics noticed and bitched. Mm -hmm. She said, go work the other club. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now he's miming. Yes. And after a while, no they curse. put together a little committee and they came in and they threatened her. In front of the, we were sitting in a meeting, Mitzi's boys, she's talking about all everybody that appears in the main room on the best of the comedy show will split the door. She'll yeah. keep she'll keep the booze. 
you're going on a good night, 700 people we put in for Richard Pryor. Yeah. There was a, an amazing amount of money to be made. Yeah. And then suddenly these people literally threatened her. They would tear her club down. They would make sure nobody worked here. And she told them to hit the highway. Yeah. Well, about three weeks later, I live in Crest Hill, uh, which is above a block above the comedy store and about two blocks walk to get here. I come to store one uh, to work one night, 6.30 for an 8 o'clock show, and the seven seventy-five funniest people in the world are picketing the comedy store and screaming at me. Don't go in there. You'll never work in show business again. I says, I have a job tonight in show business. Do you? Yeah. I'm hosting the original room, <laughs> and I'm getting 25 Ooh. bucks. What are you getting paid? <laughs> and they were rude to me. But this was... That doesn't Letterman, sound like comics. Letterman, Leno, Boozler, the name I So wait, you mention. were getting paid, and they weren't? Like, I don't understand. No pay. You work at the comedy store. You said $25, so I'm I was like... Dorman. Yeah. Oh, you were getting paid as a doorman. I Which is, by the way, the same amount of money I was getting. If I host a show. So I can pull home 50 20 bucks. years later. I can pull home 50 bucks six nights a week. That's not a bad living for a bad comic in L.A., age 23. Uh, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Especially back then. And that. But they were going crazy. And in the first couple of nights, they were literally rushing to the customers. Mm-hmm. They'd park in the, the, the Sheraton, I mean, the, the, Hyatt. the Hyatt. Hyatt right next door. They'd come mm-hmm. down the stairs and they'd run over and go, don't go in there. I'll do my act for you right here. Leno, showed, Leno rented from Hollywood Props a fake tank and showed up in the exact same costume as De Niro wore in The Deer Hunter the first night. Oh, it was God. a joke to him. <laughs> but to yeah. everybody else, this was labor negotiations and they didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I just got out of college the year before. I took two semesters on labor relations. I knew the laws they were breaking. And yeah. I said to Mitzi, injunct them. What? Yeah. Get a lawyer. Tell them they're impeding your 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 business and make them pay attention to the labor laws, which means you walk a, a picket line in orderly fashion so far apart and you never come across the doorway. Yeah. Yeah. Because didn't so like Mike had, Becker hit one by accident? Well, All right, maybe not by accident, but there was a lot of things. In those <laughs> days, Becker was quite uh, yes. muscular. Yes, he was a big guy. And I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. But my partner, Heck, had, got, had a fight with a guy named Falstaff. Mm-hmm. And that's in the book, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, he was a he was a showrunner around town, a well-known fat homosexual, and he liked to grab my partner's crutch all the time. So <laughs> this developed for a year or two, and then Jimmy that's my Jimmy move. Heck, Lou Deck, <laughs> Jimmy decided after the third night, and he's on the basketball team. Too. Okay. Uh, my hand is on his shoulder, so I am here. Oh, here. There he is. Okay. So, Hex outside trying to decide what to do, and as they pick it past, this guy reaches over and grabs him in the crotch, and Hammy just hauls off and hits him, and the guy calls the cops on him as the comedy store hit me. Well, I work here, not my partner. Right. Nothing came of it. Yeah. But that at that point, he never came back to the comedy store again. My comedy team ended. Oh, Huh. Uh, so you had to I go was, solo. I was going on doing improv. Uh, I ended up in being in the Pollock Players, as I mentioned earlier, for a year and a half. When Greg Dean left, they asked, Mitzi asked me to be the director. Okay. So I got to direct a group and pick the people, and and the and, and it went really well. Okay. At some point, a year and a half later, as I'm getting ready to leave, Sam Kinison comes on the scene. And then he has a fairly rough year at first here when Sam and I rescued Mitzi from being attacked by a comic. 
Mm-hmm. He became manager of Westwood in two weeks. Okay. And he started canceling the late acts mm-hmm. so he could go on and ad-lib and rave, and out of that came the beast. Yeah, Sam Kennedy. He invited a guy we know named Andy Silverstein over. <laughs> out of the Isn't same, that great? Out of the same time period, Dice Man came out. Yeah. Now, yeah. to this day, Dice claims he helped Sam, not Sam helping Right. Um, he says a little bit of both. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Rick Sam has to had go the time. on. I got a spot. Andy had, kill it. Andy had the ex- expertise. Sam had the time to go the stage time. You mean? Yes. Like to to share. Yes. And um, but what he says is they helped each other more so like um in West. I mean in the uh, Crest Hill house. Yeah. Sam when they would mess around. In, in Holly's old room when when Mitzi made Dolly. Yeah. Made unauthorized Mincy always chose every resident that's right and that uh if she found you were up there when she fired ollie i hid him in my room in the basement for almost six <laughs> weeks till she caught us oh my god that's great but that's the thing like he said they would like i guess like camaraderie some of yeah, us do it too like night. help each other ad lib yeah. things and stuff like that that's what he always says but then andrew andy whatever you want to call him he doesn't uh he doesn't partake in the party world nope. either. Nope. So it was there. That's why they're, I feel like their paths went different. The number of times I came upstairs to find Mr. Clay in the kitchen in his underwear becoming okay. Travolta be him. or Elvis, or he was an impressionist. Yeah, he was totally a dead on impressionist, and he loves including that. costumes. Yep, and to see that become the Dice Man. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my best story on that. Ollie and I are working in Huntsville, Alabama. We're working the comedy club. It has 400 seats. Okay. We get into town. We, we were told that Andrew Clay, Dice Man, will be at the Werner Von Braun Auditorium with 12,000 seats. Wow. And he got picketed by 15,000 people. I was going to say, that's they amazing. They don't put up with that Stuff. misogyny <laughs> right. in Alabama. Right. It was a. We just played Alabama, it by the way, a couple months ago, and he where? killed. Where? <laughs> Huntsville. Good town. Where? Yeah. Uh, it's the. Uh, it used to be the Comedy Alabama Zone? Picture Show. And Comedy was, Zone, I think it was. Oh, God, that's too bad to hear. Huntsville is one of my favorite towns, and the Comedy Zone is one of the worst things that's ever no, happened. No, it, it's a terrible club. Yeah, well, meaning- no, the Comedy Zone itself is out of Charlotte. Yes. And that uh, Ali and I were one of their first acts. So that's how I got to do 100 cities in uh, a year for 10 years. We would go out every three months and do every yeah. one of their one-liners and then come back and do whole week clubs for three months. Yeah. Actually, the Comedy Zone in Alabama was really good. It well, was run well and it was really good. But there was another one up in North Carolina that we that wasn't run as yeah. well. well that, at, so I confused them. Spot, I'm sorry. Alabama was great. stages. Yeah. So you can make a living working. Do you ever heard the name Tom Sobel? Tom who? Sobel out of Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-mm. He had something called the Comedy Caravan another 38 nights. Okay. So you could work the Comedy Zone and Tom Sobel, and then by the time you did three more months, you come back and do it again. Yeah. It's one night. That's amazing. Well, yeah. uh, three one nighters and then a weekend in one spot, and then three one nighters and a weekend in one spot, then seven one nighters. Wow. See, that's like old school killer oh, yeah. road. Yeah. Because yeah. we. Ollie was the first to talk them into a two act show, me and him. A, my material didn't threaten Ollie. Right. So B, he. I'm a nice guy. He's a hard guy. We set up the spectrum. Perfect. He was, Please everybody, kind of. Well, and. 
So after four years with Ollie, he told me I needed to go look around and find something else to do. We knew, we knew Ollie was dying. Oh. Mitzi and Argus and uh, Alan Stevens checked him into uh, the, radar, <laughs> the Raider Institute twice. The first time they drew out 37 pounds of fluid from him. Wait, wait, was this, what's the radar, what's that for? Uh, it's like Betty Ford for weight. Oh, okay, because I remember Alan telling me a story about, Alan Steven, who I'm very close with, but he told a story about taking him to rehab. Yes. And him and Argus took yes. Ollie Joe to rehab. Okay. And the, they were like, are you all three checking in? And they're like, no, just him. Okay. Like, <laughs> There's a very similar story okay. about Alan Stevens and Ollie driving Argus to Palm Springs to go into Betty Ford. Yes, I know that one, too. And they both have eight balls in their pockets, and they don't tell Argus. <laughs> oh, am I doing it backwards, and it was Argus they it were might, putting in, it, not it Ollie Joe? It might be, it might yeah. Because is that when Argus called uh, Alan Bagel Boy? Yes, yes. <laughs> Always funny. So there's a Radar uh, Raider Institute in San Diego and one in uh, Minnesota right next to the, what's the incredible hospital there. Uh, Mail Clinic. Oh, okay. So radars, uh, the Raider Institute is right next to that. <laughs> Anyhow, we tried to check him in. It, took, it was he fought it. When they finally got him in, he broke out after three weeks. Oh wow! They got him in out here again in San Diego, and he broke out after a week. Uh, was he uh, sick? Did he have something? No, just, just obese. In those and days, there was no X-rated comedy on cable. Right. So it was explained to Ali that no matter how fabulous he was, they weren't going to give him a, a big show business career because he was X-rated. Right. So Ali decided that he'd go out and be X-rated in nightclubs all over the country, and they paid him up to ten grand a week. Wouldn't you stay away? Yeah. All right. So that's why I got a thousand bucks. I drove the car. I carried the bags. I opened the show. Perfect. Yeah, but for for someone who just turned pro, this was an incredible job. Yeah. By the end of it, we had the best show going in America. Yeah, uh, I believe I, it. I, I work fairly fast. Uh, I have a show on. <laughs> I have my book out. My publishing company made me put a show on YouTube. I, I always swore I never would do it. Cause Why? I, I don't need the publicity. I work anytime I want to work all over okay. the world. So Carson taught us not to use your act on TV, so you'll always be able to charge for it live. I agree. I kind of agree with that. I thought you meant go on YouTube for something different. I didn't know you well, meant your no, act, act. First off, like, when I was doing the, I am the most videoed comic in the world because when I left the comedy store, I took video equipment with right. me. And I would tape me and Ali every night for five years. So can people see that? No. Like, no, you no, have it's that. it's in a vault in Georgia. Yes. Uh, oh, my God. You're I'm sitting on a gold mine. I'm going to, well, the comedy store stuff is more important than Ali's stuff. Right, but uh, it goes together, no? I well, mean, yeah, I have given the family in, in Michigan, Ollie's family in Michigan, mm -hmm. all of the stuff, copies of all the stuff. Okay. And they did nothing with it. But every, my deal with Mincy to do video was it was a comedy store video product, uh, a Lou Deck video selection, mm -hmm. a comedy store video production. So I got to put okay. my name as a director on all the tapes. That's perfect. When I left, I says, I own the stuff I shot, right? She says, unless I want to use it. <laughs> so that's so I, her. I said what i do with all the tapes she said erase them i said do you know the difference in bulk tape and erase tape she said what and i gave her all bulk tape back now <laughs> 10 years later i will tell her i have all this stuff and she asked for certain things i gave her back but no i still have most of it that's amazing and that i would not i have footage of robin you will not believe in fact check my facebook page oh wow robin that williams yeah him singing 
Oh, yeah, yeah. That- um, there's also, I did one night, he invited in a lady that played cello. Okay. And he, in the main room stage, she sat center stage and played a, a Brahms uh, piece. Well, mm-hmm. Robin did the baby voice in scat. Oh, wow. And then I got some cocaine. And that's unbelievable. Oh. I was also lighting sounds guys, so I had set up the camera and went r- rushed upstairs to the main room, lighting center, and set the light perfect and put the spotlight yeah. on it and stuff. And I gave I gave the tape to Mincy, but I gave Robin a tape and uh, um, Fred Silverman at uh, NBC. Oh yeah, yeah. And never saw it again until oh, I opened the box. Damn. Mark, don't open this box for twenty five years. I waited <laughs> thirty years to open the box. I opened the box last year. Oh, my God. So you would not believe some of the stuff I have. That's amazing. I owe it to Mitzi to never, ever victimize the artist nor the comedy store. I agree, a thousand percent. I published most of it from Estonia. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So there'll be no legal problems. There you go. I I write for a magazine called thecheers.org. Thecheers.org. It's just an internet magazine. Okay. And uh, the the owner editor lives in Estonia, speaks English perfectly. Okay. But he's published ninety articles, five six page articles about uh, stand up uh, for me over the years, and that's what makes up my book is uh, twenty articles and uh, lessons in between for new comics. Oh wow! So it's almost like a learned stand up, but or yep. Learn of stand-up well, and then learn I'm how to. I'm the mystery of stand-up. Okay. Because there is, there is a, I don't want to say mystery, but there is a trick to it. Definitely technique. 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 Um, as it turns out, uh, most of us are aware of the oral history of stand-up that has been carried by the Yiddish theater from Germany to America in the, the early 1900s. Oh, okay. Giving us the Borscht Belt, the Catskills. Right. So... In those days, if somebody thought you were going to make it, they sat down and they gave you the special information. Yeah. Well, all those guys died out before the comedy store started. Right. So when I started here, I started trying to quantify what stand-up is. Amazing. Uh, I could always do and explain. I could always explain more than I could do, even to this day. Yeah. I'm a fine comic. I'd love to show you an hour, but I know why I'm doing it. Okay. It's not a guess. So tried and true methods. When you say you can work anytime, you you go on the road still. That's great. Uh, uh, for the last two years, and here's the sad part. I wrote this article, a star for Mency, two years ago. Mm-hmm. About three weeks after it was published, uh, and it's piling up fifty thousand hits in three weeks. Somebody asked me to do a storytelling show in the belly room. Yeah, I came down to do it. Afterwards, I walked down through the club, down the original steps, out onto the patio, and had a stroke. Oh, shit. So sorry about that. And then we found out I have heart problems. Okay. So I've restricted my performance schedule since then, only what I'm contracted for, but I have embassy contracts till the end of the year. Embassy contracts? I perform at cocktail parties and embassies for the United States. Wow. That's and amazing. Korea and Japan and Wait a minute, you had a str- you look amazing. Like I'll be sixty six in two months. But I mean you look flawless. Like I wouldn't think there's anything wrong. That's amazing. You had a stroke uh, two years ago? I was on Yeah, just over two years. Okay. Okay. Here on the patio in front Jesus. of everybody. 
And here's the best part. I finally, my last appearance at the comedy store, I set a new comedy store record. I beat Ali Joel Prater's record. Uh-oh. Three emergency rooms in one night. Three. <laughs> oh, my God. But Why three? Why did you have to? They took me to Cedar Sinai. They were full. They took me to uh, Olympia down on um, West. Uh, yeah. And then um, they, they worked on me for a while, and then they sent me to the VA in Westwood because I'm a veteran. Oh, okay. What, what, uh, what branch? Navy. Nice. Nice. So you're smart. My daddy's a Marine. You know what my... Uh, I'm not going to say smart. Get, I've told you about my <laughs> brand. I'm, I'm the comic in red shoes. Which I love. Thank you. Yeah. I have a couple of catchphrases. Okay. The last thing I say to an audience before I leave them is Semper Funny. <laughs> Aww. The first thing I say to every audience I meet is a focusing device. I walk out and I say... I'm here to make friends. I love to have friends. Would you be my friend? My name's Lou. If you would, everybody yell, hi, Lou. Hi, Lou. No, <laughs> now scream, hi, Lou. Hi, Lou. Now, once you get anybody in the audience to do the same thing twice, they've elected you captain of the room. <laughs> and I can tell my first joke. That's amazing. Uh, I learned because Argus didn't want to go on and right. run the crowd up. He wanted to walk on and do a joke. Yeah. He don't so I learned to do it for myself. He, it's funny because when I worked for Mitzi, um, I think I did every job here, yeah. um, including well, unclogging then put her toilets. There. <laughs> the only thing I didn't do was sleep with Mitzi. Uh, same. Oh, well, actually, we slept in the same bed together. I've done that too, okay. but I'm not talking about. Okay, it. Uh, we actually literally slept. So, <laughs> um, but we, yeah, because I I've gone to the Dominican Republic with Mitzi, I've, San Diego, like I've, you just take her everywhere. Yeah. So sometimes we would, I would when just she pass out. You, yeah. All things are possible. And also, I didn't want to be a comic, so she really trusted me. Like it was more, I didn't want anything from her, mm. so she really, by the time I was doing it, was like late 90s to early 2000s so it was different everybody already wanted a lot from her exactly why the comedy store is such a thrill to me now yeah i don't want anything oh that's right i'll be the first you have a career i I will i I will be the first comic adams ever met because i will never ever ask him for a spot yeah if i want a spot i'll go to the shore family like it was intended right and that and that that part hurts because i started here in 93 so i met a lot of comics that were on their way out like the older guys at 93 then the younger guys and now a whole new slew of people so i've probably been through a bunch of different generations here so uh it, it's it is a weird feeling and i run into some of my favorite comics and they're like i can't get booked at the comedy store and i'm like i i get it and i hate it because i love them uh, but adam has his hands full with just trying to keep this place open i understand completely. and it's a business and yep. mitzi ran it with her heart right you know what i mean so it is different because he's not the owner he just has to keep the owner's now happy right does that make sense yeah right. so i always feel bad it's i'm like, like we had to do don't hate Beck- mitzi or at Ad- like it's not well, this is a business a times move on right b if you're really a comedy store guy come here and work it out off stage yeah yeah there's That's still true. methods if i won't say what i would do but <laughs> if i wanted here, but there's I, totally I would be here yeah. This is the college I graduated from. Right. I don't need to be here anymore. If I know the comic coordinator at the TV shows, I don't need to ask them to be put on for them. Exactly. You know what exactly. I'm saying? So 
I found no reason to be back in L.A. Mm-hmm. I, I work 50 weeks a year. That's amazing. Then when Ollie started dying, he sent me away. Mm-hmm. Would you know the, the movie Bang the Drum Slowly? Why is that? Uh, uh, it's a famous movie with uh, De Niro as a baseball catcher, a, a autistic type of baseball catcher, and the, and the major league pitcher keeps him on and keeps throwing so his friend yeah, I don't know can't it. stay in the big leagues. Oh, wow. And then the catcher catches or contacts cancer. Oh. And there's a song, Bang the Drum Slowly, and it means uh, mourn. So when Ollie sent me away, mm-hmm. I'll never know if he was banging the drum for me oh. or I was banging the drum from him. Oh. But because I had such a great reputation working with Ollie, it was very simple just to plan another tour. Mm-hmm. And after about eight months, I'm working Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The headliner is a Carnival Cruise Act. Okay. And I'm burying him every night. <laughs> I was going to say, that's I, horrible. Because yeah. I don't care for him. Yeah. Good for you. And then the last night, uh, I'm staying two weeks. The headliner moves out, and I get another headliner next week. His last night, he invites the entertainment director from Carnival Cruise Lines, who comes in and buys me off the club. He gives the club 1000 bucks to get me and me 1000 bucks to come do two shows. Yeah. I started working for Carnival. The money was incredible. In this case, the hotel moves for you. Yeah. You don't have to drive exactly. between hotels. Yeah. So they kept graduating me on Carnival to where I was flying to a boat, doing two shows, getting off at the next port, flying to the next. I was doing three boats a week. Oh, wow. Making six grand a week. That's great. For 20-minute sets. 20 minutes? Got to be clean. Got to be clean. Gotta yeah, be it's got to be squeaky. I work for Kid Rock. Yeah. His crew, so I don't have to be. I could be my filthy self. Yeah, well, <laughs> the industry has changed somewhat. Yeah, but during that period, well, Carnival Cruise is completely different. I did That's... a couple of cruise conventions, mm-hmm. so I've sailed on the Queen Mary too. And oh wow! I worked for Canard for about a year, and that was one show a week for five thousand dollars okay. around the Caribbean. I mean, around the uh, Mediterranean. Okay. Nice job. Very nice. But I would get back from doing that, and clubs had, had forgotten about me. Well, yeah, that's the thing. People so go So I started away. doing, you know, two months on Carnival, two months on land, yeah. a month off. Okay. And then I'm sitting with some booking agents one time, and somebody says, you know, you worked 100 cities last year? <laughs> no. I keep a day runner, you know how. Yeah. Right, everything. It was 117 cities last oh, year. Oh, shit. So I went, and I bought, I'm a compulsive Virgo. Oh, I'm, order- I'm Virgo orderly. too, I think. Okay. Yeah, Virgo. Yeah. I knew we'd get a lot. <laughs> but I'm compulsively organized. Yes. So putting sets together is easy for me. Uh, okay. Traveling is easy for me. Um, and that, so I, one morning I get off the, the boat in Barbados, and the Barbados constables are there with a telegram for me. Ollie has died. Yeah. I, it's sad to me I never got to meet him. He was so. He may have sexually oppressed you, ma'am. That's fine. That's I would have laughed right at that's it. I've been sexually well, oppressed Diane by Nicholson's everyone here. And, and Carrie Snow are both telling <laughs> stories about him chasing him across the, the parking lot upstairs, but it was a different era then. Yeah. Since the <laughs> it was more uh, not started, frowned upon. I've gone back and examined every sexual contact I ever had at the comedy store. Yeah. I never, ever offered a girl a spot to sleep with me. Okay, that's good of you. Well, I appreciate no, I just that. meant you would have fired me in a second. Sure. 
But I do know now, looking back, that I was abused and used by some women here at the comedy store. That'll happen. We're, we're well, that kind of women around gosh, here. Gosh, gee whiz, you have their, <laughs> their phone numbers now. <laughs> we got to get you back out my there. Point, my point is, Mitzi prepared me to be a comic. Ollie showed me how to be a road comic. Once right. I got on the road, I don't chase waitresses, I don't drink at the clubs, and wow, I don't tear the condo up. Wow, that's disrespectful. So I got a rehire rate better than anyone I've ever known. They always used to say, uh, when I first started waiting tables here, that how do you get a comic aroused? Pick up a tray. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. We're going to talk about that. I've always said there's only two reasons for a girl to work at the comedy store. Yes. One, sleep with comics. Okay. Two, to become a comic. <laughs> well, okay. Two comics I've been with. And well, I mean, Mitzi used to tell us all that the waitresses aren't bitching at you. You're not seating the room tight enough. <laughs> That's right. And, and you know what's funny? I have a, a girl that runs a show, a really great show, uh, in the belly room. And she, um, the waitresses always complain about how hard it is to get around. And I'm like, that's them doing their job. That's not, that's not just, uh, you know, she's not doing it to piss you off. She's filling a room. And they would bitch and the waitresses. Would, yeah. And she kicks that. It's one of the best shows we have on Saturday night. Five or six people in the whole comedy industry in the country that count occupancy rates. Mm -hmm. In the last three years, the comedy store has gone straight to the top. We have more. Yeah. We have more seats available. We have more butts in seats, and we have more comics in seats yes. than any room in America. Yes, absolutely. Where that money goes is none of my business. That's true. That's true. But I will tell you, like working for her uh, when I was, there were times like if she missed a payment, the bank would own this place. Absolutely. That's how far into debt she got. So when I see it making money like yeah. this and with all the great, like, you know, Joe Rogan and Whitney Cummings and, you know, all these Joe Diaz, all these comics coming back well, and getting I, famous. I'm seeing lately it's great. Chappelle and John Chappelle, Mayer doing spots. Yes. Um, uh, Chris Rock dropping in. Mm -hmm. um, just any. Uh, Mark Marin. Mark yeah. Marin has the biggest podcast uh, in the world. Yeah. Right? I just did his podcast a couple months ago. He's Please one of my favorites. Give him my regards. Yes. And tell him I have information he might want to know. I respect him as a comic first. Yes. he. Uh, Mark's terrific. Well, I heard he's been doing spots lately. He he's what doing spots here? Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah, he's I'll been for the past couple of years. But like the podcast world, like Joe Rogan, Mark Maron, those yeah. guys all have giant podcasts. Joe Diaz, uh, Tom Segura, Christina Bazinski, like they come here a lot. At Bill Burr and all those guys, like because the comics are coming out because of their podcast. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, the patrons are coming yes. out because of their podcast. Like Argus is so cute. He's always like the millennials have got it, and I'm like, no, it's it's not really the millennials. It's like Joe Rogan and these veteran comics that are truly funny have this niche of the podcast world and such a phenomenal following and everyone's coming out. Well, now it's easier to locate the comic you're looking for than ever before. Absolutely. I um, mean, it's so simple. I wish you would support Jeff Scott and I love Jeff to, Scott. To yeah. keep putting the lineups on yeah, he does. And you know what's funny? Just, people he just now he's very unhappy and he's thinking about stopping doing it and stuff, but I have been in comedy clubs saying, who are you? What do you know? And I pull up the list and I go, here's who the funny comics yeah. are. Right? Is your name on that list? Yeah. This is Teaneck, Nebraska. Go, don't tell me. What's funny and once what's not. Yeah. Once you're a comedy store act. 
Yeah. And I get it all the time. I just got a couple of weeks ago. Well, what's so special about the cow? Come on down and see. Absolutely. I agree. You know, night after night after night, we put on more, not famous people. Funny. Funny people. Fun, different kinds Rick of Rick Ingram. Yes. Top of the line. Every time he goes on. Kills. We heard you killing yeah. up there, Rick. How we heard that? the floor stomping. We heard uh, it was like a, a I was, chaos. I was bashing. Chaos. I was bashing people. <laughs> How were they? All demographics were handled tonight. <laughs> I was telling him that like we here we have so many great comics, and we were talking about the yeah. just funny comics. And I said Rick Ingram, one of them. As we were listening to the cheers, did they carry you out? Uh, no, they. I, Usually they were really they excited, yeah. Stomp on the floor next time before you come down. You can hear it down here. <laughs> I just, I said that there's people waiting for me downstairs. If you guys could act like this was a good set, was I was a, just bombing. Was it uh, a good crowd? Yeah, they were fun. There's, oh, okay. there's some real morons in the middle that just were feeding oh, me gold. It. Listen, it started with a white lady from South Africa. There we go. Trying to sing Why Bob Marley. And oh really? Yeah, I'm like, all right. To show she's hip. I guess I don't you know what happened. I just, I, yeah, I merely point out. Our Marley room is right down the street. Yeah, <laughs> the comedy store. I just said, I'm just excited that there's people from the American South who aren't the most racist people in the room right Isn't now. Out of it. And uh, that that got at least we the, got the good sense to call it slavery, not apartheid. Yeah. Hello. People don't even know what your racism was about. That's one of my favorite things about Rick is he is a history buff, like quick on it and like can get any room any anything they yell out he's got it on I got a new thing now I've traveled extensively I've performed okay. in 23 countries but <laughs> lately um, I'm memorizing ways to say thank you in other languages oh why I can, I'm well, you're <laughs> American that's un-American you're American one thing you can say to somebody from another country that will make them smile and happy make hmm. them in their own language god you're so you. southern it's great well I'm from Philadelphia. I'm going to start referring to him as the opposite of me. Thank you there. (laughs) I'm going to learn how to say something else. In South Africa, it's Nagia Banga. (laughs) Nagia Banga? That sounds racist. A-B-O-N-G-A. Nagia Banga. It does sound like something from the Lion King, so I'm going to believe you. Not the internet age. Facebook age has started. Okay. Facebook age is winding down, isn't it? Yeah. Are they getting rid of Facebook? All right. I don't know. I don't think yet. The I teens, follow the kids. The, yeah, the young Just people kidding. are getting off of it because yeah, their the parents young, are on it, so it's well, not I'm cool. Fine with that, the young people. Yeah, yeah, the young people. I think are we're like, all okay with that. I don't need you. Yeah, absolutely agree. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I, I've developed a reach. Uh, I teach myself. Okay. My book is about how to do stand up. I have students. What's the name of the book so that people can stand get stand up decoded? There you go. Oh, it's right in front of me. Yeah. I'm in moron. And <laughs> so I have students all over the world now, and the first thing I get them to do is teach me how to say thank you in their language. Okay. But it, this is going right back to what I told you about how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. you got to matter to them. Yeah. If I step into your culture, I matter a little bit more than the people that didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right? So I'm a chameleon in that regard. I can't be who they are but I can be the southern man I was raised to be. Right. And I can, once I get you to like me, I can make you laugh quicker and more often. This is why why I brought great pot the first two years I was here. (laughs) Do you smoke pot, really? I don't anymore, but I I used to. What are you doing? What are you dealing? Nothing. What do you got no, going on? You just opened up. No, I, I, I quit open? like four you know years ago after, after a solid 12 years. I brought years. a few gifties for y'all to see. 
What is it? It's drugs? I'll take oh, it. No. <laughs> oh, it's just pot. I love that he says it's just, no, it's not drugs, it's pot. Yeah. Which is it's totally not fine. The same. It's, I'm a it's legal now. You're a medical, Patient. medicinal? Yes. That's why I love when people come in. You just have they, to be 21 now. Yeah, it's, it's California, so. Like, guys will hit on me, and I'm like, oh, your cologne is so medicinal. Yeah. <laughs> so hot. I like that. <laughs> uh, but I, it's true. It's like everyone smells like weed. I made so many friends, and people would take me to do shows with them all over town just based on just the fact. Just because of weed, yeah. Be- before, when I showed up, it was before they had a, a weed shop yeah. everywhere. Everyone still had to count on the mom or pop right. Uh, right. operation. Operation. And so I moved here. I lived in Manhattan Beach. I worked in a restaurant. I met two guys that both grew. And then I just always had killer weed. So I started working here. And I'm like, that's how I made friends in college. It'll probably work there, too. And I just started smoking everyone out. Met Jeff Scott first night I was working here. And he immediately was like, you're part of the team. I'm like, cool. (laughs) Well, it goes through phases. There was an absolute plague of cocaine at the comedy store. Yeah. You baby boomer. 76 to 85. Yeah. It killed more people than it helped. Yes. Right. My my big story is everybody knew I don't do coke, I don't drink. So the big timer guys would rush in the back door and make me hold their bottles so they wouldn't have to share any with their friends. And Smart. then the other friends would realize they've got their bottles. Come, give me Robin's bottle. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> do you have it? I can't say. Uh, oh. Robin goes by. He lives by but a that, great so code. Yeah. I smoked pot, and that uh, the rule was not on the property. You know, okay. the property ends right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, but what I found that over the years, I don't know a professional comic that traveled half of what I traveled didn't get a DUI or arrested sometime in their career. I yeah. never had any of that. Yeah. I have been arrested twice for marijuana. Proud two of you. joints, both times, two times, both felonies. Oh shit! And you have felonies I, on your I, record I, still. Yeah, two, both times for pot, both times for two joints. One in Kentucky, one in Texas. I was about to say, was it Texas? Because they don't yeah. mess around. Oh, no. Isn't well, that crazy though? The thing. My that? family's from Texas, and my mom's middle name, uh, maiden name, was Houston. Hmm. We got the Houston family lawyer. Yeah. And I got off on what they called conditional release. I had to fulfill uh, probation for a year and a half. But you're a serviceman. All, How all dare of their they? conditions of probation. I had to move out from the apartment. I couldn't hang with the guys I was hanging. Yeah. And two days after I uh, got off probation, I moved to California. Smart. But in 91, I meet a girl on a Carnival Cruise Line. Okay. I like where this is going. I end up romancing her. and Well, she can't get away. Yeah. No. <laughs> and that we're leaving Jamaica that night. Okay. And I'm walking her in the moonlight after my show. And she says, you know, I'm not really a secretary. I'm a sergeant of police from Tampa, Florida. <gasps> I'm at the guardrail throwing joints out of my pocket <laughs> in the water. I married that girl. Oh, oh wow. wow. And 10 years later, 15 years later, what I was told was conditional discharge is not on my record. She, oh, that's good. She's a police officer. She, she pounces in my uh, my social security number, my name. It comes up she and got it, it says. Expunged? No, it says it's still there. You got conditional. Re, uh, oh, okay. It's absolutely there, but it says I I was released. Got it. Okay. So it never goes away. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. When I that's started why doing USO tours, oh gosh, did I tell you about Grandpa? No. Mine okay, or this yours? is the, where I was <laughs> headed for before. I get my first USO tour 
in 85, I ended up um, tearing, driving from here to the valley over Laurel Canyon, had a motorcycle wreck, tore my leg up. I'm in a cast for four months. Okay. And I have to tear the cast out because a girlfriend has gotten me a job for the 84 Olympics. What are you so, doing? Uh, auditing the food department as an accountant. Oh, be funny if he was but like, we got promoted skier. twice, and so I got to go. I got the little straw hat and the oh, okay, the yeah, yeah, and stuff. Well, I started going to Palm Springs, and one of Mitzi's employees, a lady named Phyllis Silver, started a club in Palm Springs. Okay, I'm working the club on the weekends, and not when I'm working the door here. But she notices I'm gone. Mitzi's giving me a hard time. How come you're gone all the weekend? Well, I'm doing stand up. She says, well, really? For who, Phyllis? So she's mad at me, but she lets me keep doing it. And maybe my 10th appearance there, somebody walks up to me who was a former comedy store waitress. Uh Uh-oh. Was it me? I I did not have relations (laughs) with her, although I had wanted to. Okay. She has left the comedy store and married a magician. The magician does USO tours. They heard they live in Palm Springs. They heard I was there. They came by and saw me and offered to take me on the USO tour. Oh, that's awesome. We did 20 federal installations up the West Coast before we left. We left for four months. Mm-hmm. At some point, we're in the Philippines we're for a month. There are so many American bases in the the Philippines. We're doing two shows a day, and we're there for a month. Whoa. Wow. And our last show was at the Presidential Palace for Ferdinand Marcos. Scary. Meantime, my mother's father in World War II, died fighting the Japanese, but mother never knew what happened to him. Okay. No details, missing in action. So when he comes up to me after the show, English is his second language. He said he liked my cat jokes. <laughs> Can I do anything for you? I pulled out the paperwork, and I said, help me find my grandfather. Oh, my God, that's Within awesome. five days, I've been to five different cemeteries. I find my grandfather's grave. I put in the paperwork. My mother gets a silver star, a bronze star, and $64,000 that was $8,000 in 1944. Inflation. And I find my granddaughter's grave because I was telling jokes on the other side Side. of the world. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. And that doing all kinds of events for the USO, mostly military shows, but then the guy from the embassy comes by. Yeah. To see one of the military shows. And that's how I started doing embassy shows. So for the last couple of years, I pretty much only do black tie formal events, 20 minutes, fly me to wherever you want me to be. Yeah. And I'll do 20 minutes of clean material about America. I don't have a black tie or clean material. I went to Texas, so I got a joke there. I went to Minnesota, I got a joke there. And that's the kind of act they wanted. Yeah. Right. But that's so that's the only thing I have. But that's left on great. The schedule. You have I will not be in a comedy club anymore for fear of heart problems. Right. He had a stroke on the patio. <laughs> I, am, I didn't know. Uh, really? I did a did I a, hate that I'm gonna say this, but here we go. Stephen Allen Green <laughs> Now a, you're cursing has a no, storytelling show in the belly room. I've known him since the old days. Sure. He's wearing tights now. Yes, it's I uncomfortable. Know, I know about it. You know he lost a a, a, a roast battle to Joey Gaynor this I thought this you were gonna Tuesday. say a nut. I, I did too. Like, uh, he lost a nut? Um I watched it on Paris Live. <laughs> okay, I love that because I used to watch that. I used to fall asleep to that when I was on the road, like watching the roast battle. Upstairs. I couldn't watch it live, let alone on yeah, the internet. Yeah, but it was cute. It was there. If you know them, like you, you're watching Joey Gaynor and uh, Joey was at my house that morning practicing. Okay, <laughs> we live. Uh, Joey was still performing here when I started, so I know Joey well. uh, There's a problem with older performers in the fact that they want to do their older act. 
I, a thousand percent, I agree with you. They don't want to adjust, adjust anything. Uh, so. Here's another name, Jackson Purdue. Love Jackson. I would love to see him back here, but he won't write new material. Well, he also, you know, he left for 10 years. He yes. was in New York, yes. which is great. But yes. at the same time, he's not yep. a star. Yep. And you leave for 10 years, you get out of line. Yes. There's well, 5,000 more I, I people in front of you. Right. My name used to be on the wall. If you walk down the hallway where Paulie's big picture is, yeah. that's where my picture used to be. Ah. Once I was gone long enough. Paulie took it down? I'm kidding. Uh, no, Can you no, imagine? I, don't, I would assume <laughs> whoever was, here. who was ever in Becker's spot after Becker did it. There was nobody. Yeah, that's what I We did. never got one. So Nobody uh, could replace Becker. He was phenomenal. The, the back of the um, back door and look up above where that ledge is now with the names. Mm-hmm. used to be the names right there, and that's where my name was. Oh, okay. It's I not there anymore? Thought, no, it's been painted over. It's, bl- it's blank now. But So your name's not on the wall at all no. anymore? What was that part of the facade that you're saying yeah. that they paint it? Yeah. Oh, okay. But well, we're going to fight to get it back. It's a false wall. I have so. security yeah, in my heart. Facade. To know I am the comedy store. I don't need my name on the wall. But now, I do remember. Now, when Stephen seeing... Allen Green and Joy Gaynor says my name's on the wall, I get pissed about it. But I'm going to get your name back <laughs> on the wall. What I'm saying is, we do it next not week, don't we? Mitzi's birthday. To this moment. What brings me here tonight is your reputation See. and your reputation. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love well, that. Well, no, I'm a purist. I'm an old timer. Don't tell my mom what about I my reputation. What I think you're doing is right. Yeah. Here yeah. in this room, I could hear how well you did up there, and I know you're a good comic, and I've snuck in and watched you. Uh oh. You're the only one I know getting late spots too. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But it's the foul mouth. What counts to me. As the spirit of the comedy store goes on. Yeah. It's like the the United States Navy goes on. There's different kids in, the, in all the same sure. jobs, but the Navy continues. Yeah. That I was blessed to be part of the original comedy store. Now, I got here in 75, which is three years late. Yeah, you're a super Mitz, OG. It's Mitz great. hadn't taken over. Right. Till 75. Right. So what I was part of what Mitzi wanted to be, or get out the door. Right. Right. That's so I awesome. I did everything she asked me to do. When I didn't try to sleep with her, and I didn't cheat on her as far as with the other the clubs, yeah. putting an act on that she doesn't want on. Right. Oh, I see what you when mean. When I yeah. held true to her values, she kept giving me more responsibility, and the only reason I left was I wanted to be a stand-up, and I know you got to go on a thousand times across America to mm-hmm. understand how stand-up works. Yeah. Ollie Joe gave me that opportunity. Then I understand. Bookers, I know what they want. I know how they want to be treated. I've never had a problem with a booker if they like my act. Some people don't. Yeah. So I was one of the original comedy comedy zone acts. Yeah. After Ollie died, I came back off the boats. I did a tour for them. And on a Sunday night after 14 days, I'm getting paid Sunday night. And it's like $1,400. They paid me $400. And withheld a thousand dollars because Ollie died owing them money. Oh shit! That was, that was on you yeah, because no, of association. He so. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like so that's what they're claiming. He doesn't know that I've been around long enough. I picked up the phone. I called him at home at one o'clock in the morning, and mm-hmm. I said, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, you understand, sir. My name's Lou Deck. I'm from the Comedy Store, and I will tell you this: you have somebody bring me that money tomorrow night, or the IRS will be in your office tomorrow. Yeah. Because I worked with the government, and I got friends in the Pentagon and in the Treasury Department. And we, it took about two weeks, but they went and sat in his office. He was managing Carrot Top. 
Oh, I know him. And yeah. stole several hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars from Carrot Top that it wasn't discovered till they went in to check on what I told them about. Audited it all out. Yep. And so he had to turn state's evidence against his partners yeah. to avoid going to jail and sell his end of the, the comedy zone. Yeah. And I went to his house and knocked on his house and I said, my name's Lou Deck. I'm from the comedy store. <laughs> if I ever hear Good for now, you. Well, no, I like that comedy I'm, store I'm, thing. I'm, that I'm hangs I'm there. I'm assuming yeah. a man that I don't haven't been granted, but that I feel. So the Mark Goldstein story about Kennison. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He pistol whips the most pitiful comic of the era. If you can think back when Night at the Improv started, they mm-hmm. would have the last shot was a fat comic with curly hair on stage talking while the, the people cleaned up. Okay. That's Mark Goldstein. He had a sad sack act. He was a sad sack person. Always. And then he decided to share uh, an apartment with a guy named Danny Stone. Yeah, Mitzi's the other legend. boyfriend. Yeah. And that at some point, Danny I gotta be was, turning, was turning poison into Mitzi's ear about Kennison. Yeah. So Kennison took on his roommate and standing right up there pistol whipping I've, I've I heard that in the story. Club about 20 minutes after it happened, I happened to be in town. I came up to see Argus, and I heard about that. And I went, you're kidding me. I went straight to Sammy. He's got two bodyguards. Both are carrying heat. And I says, get ready, boys. I know the sergeant of police on the beat here for 10 years. I'm calling him. You two with guns better leave because it's a felony to be on the premises right. where they're selling alcohol. Sam, your ass is grass. You can do this anywhere you want to, but not at the fucking comedy store. Yeah. And I called the cops on him, and that's in the, the movie as a cartoon, too. Oh, uh, good. The difference was I didn't call him. I told the cover girl to call him, and <laughs> they've got me on the phone <laughs> in the cartoon. So here's the cartoon of me and Sam I going love to rescue that. that. And out of nowhere, they call me up to be in Sam's documentary. Right. I said no four times. A lot of people said no. Well, Alan and Carl yeah. all didn't want to be in it. Now, they're all mad at Bill because they thought Bill was producer. Bill was an executive producer in name only. It was the guy in Canada who had done... Um, he did the Chris I Farley. Am Ledger. Oh, okay. Oh. And I Am Steve McQueen and seven other I Am's doc- documentaries. Yeah, he did a Chris Farley one. And- yes. And uh, Adrian Butenhouse is the director, and it's sponsored by... Think about it, think about it, think but about it. But Network gonna... Entertainment, that's who sent me this, mm-hmm. that made the show. But they made a deal with Spike TV. Spike TV made it. There were 186 fucks said in the movie. <laughs> and the head of Spike TV says, we can't do this. Yeah. Well, the representative from Network T- uh, Entertainment who made it and... The contact talked the guy into it, so it aired at 10 o'clock, bleeped, and at midnight, unbleeped. Unbleeped, yeah. Wow. Okay. And that they had total control. Bill only had control over what he said in his portion. Right. Now, we all thought that it was Bill's editing. No, it was a benevolent uh, producer that made it look so positive for Sam. I was going to say that. It it just seemed weird. Why would they make it positive? Like, if it was somebody else, why wouldn't they tell the truth? Bill owns the estate. If if that comes back around or come over to my house, I'll show you the DVD. The estate of Sam Kennison is owned and controlled by Bill. Right. But he had no creative control. Hmm. They paid him money. He took it. He gave them 
permission to use all of the stuff and including one of my shots, including, I got, in fact, they thanked me. I'm in it twice talking. I'm in it three times as a cartoon, and they thanked me five times at the end of the movie. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> in the live with Buddy Rich show, okay, Mitzi pulled our youngest Norman from Westwood over to run the, to be the uh, maitre d' in the main room, mm-hmm. and there's a shot of Sam seating the room in a coat and tie. <laughs> and they put that in the movie, and they got it for me because I'm the only one that had a c- copy of it. Yeah. So they also put some video I had shot of Sam in the main room. So they treated me very nicely. I got billing. That's great. On the poster, and the poster has a shot of the comedy store from above, back that way, looking down on the comedy store, and it's me and Sam standing there right before we would ask him smoking a joint. There you go. So I'm a cartoon. <laughs> Every little boy's dream in the Finally, world is yeah. to, to grow be a up cartoon. and become a hero for a damsel in distress and a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> and they did that for me last year. Well, that's cool. Though. That's amazing. The biggest thing that's happened to me till tonight. Oh, <laughs> you know, he's doing another podcast after this. To know, <laughs> this was my turf where you sit now. This was my video office for six months. Until that's Mitchie so cool. So we're borrowing your office to but, do so that. I'm going to tell you something that you should know. Right outside that area right there is a locked door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it unlocked. Jeff Scott can unlock it for you. Go look at the pack of dishes sitting to the left. Oh. Original zero. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. You should have one for your home. By the way, yeah, none we, of this was ever locked before, so we know what's yeah, all we, in there. We spent lots of time I rummaging. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I found a Polly Shore uh, biography that well, he wrote. Yeah. When Mitzi told me to clean the place up, I came up with tons and tons of boxes of promotional pictures and stuff from Ciro's. Certainly. Throw it away. I took it to the, when they first started no. the farmer, uh, flea market at the Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah. For six months, I would carry boxes of stuff out there on Sunday morning, and I make a hundred bucks off of pictures. I sold That's that great. Shit. I sold that shit for six months till one day she sees me carrying a box out. Where you go? I want that stuff. Well, I'm selling it. Well, does that have any value? Getting? I said, well, they're buying it. You put it back down there. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't want to do anything with it forever. Well, then she didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a little bit of a pack rat. The utter, the utter delight. Of being in my old office with you, you are the same as me. Then you're the guys yeah. for the comedy store. Yeah, this was the biggest honor I've had in the last four or five years, and that includes performing for senators and stuff. I'm Senator so happy you invited. Well, I'm kidding. They pay well. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't pay. But, Sorry. But the point is, we'll get you another first, coke. you love Mincy. You have a automatic relationship with her that has enriched your life. So yeah. did I. It's a small group. There's maybe less than 30 of us. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So know that you could not have given me a nicer birthday present than inviting me for that. Happy nice. birthday. Yeah. And that I'm thrilled. As it turns out. Your birthday's now? Uh, no, uh, August 28th. I was going to say, you can't be a Virgo um, now, can you? I've been hanging around with Al Bamani. Do you know the man? He's yeah. right there. I um, no, Al. He's a crazy man. I Look didn't know him. you were there. Look how wild he is. <laughs> at any rate. What I cannot understand and do electronically. He can. He has assisted me to make a presence online. Everything on my Facebook page is comedy. I'll never do a recipe or a picture of a cat. 
I'm proud of you. Mine is all comedy, too. Mine is all shows or whatever. It's my eulogy. Our podcast. Nobody would be interested or care what the stupid amount of incredible things I've done unless I put it down somewhere. So it's now down. I had a heart attack, so I thought I was doing it before I go. (laughs) Turns out I've been quite healthy since then. Uh, Yeah, I think it looks phenomenal. The Veterans Hospital takes wonderful care of me. Yeah. And that what I turn out now is I'm working on my next book. I'm thinking of doing another book. In the meantime, I've come up with a list of 40 questions about the comedy store in Mitzi. And I want 25, 30 comics to answer all the same questions. Well, I'll do it. I would like to invite both of you oh, I'm excited. to sit for an interview with me. I'll submit the questions sure. to you ahead of time, and we can just run them off. Perfect. But I think it'd make a hell of a book if I could get comics from three different 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 generations yeah, to answer the same questions. Yeah. yeah. And it will be, you know, when did you first meet Mitzi? Were you scared? Have you ever been to Mitzi's house? You ever been to Mitzi's office? Do right. You know, when was the last time you were on in the original room? That's all comedy-centric, comedy store-centric. Right. And that I'm only doing this to, to pay Mitzi back. No, it's true. She gave me everything. And that you two would ask me to be here, it just it, it was a thrill beyond belief. I don't get out much these days. I'm proud of you. I mean, and this is, this is I'm excited to get into this book. Is this the same one you sent me, um, an e-book, That's the or e-book, is this different? And, uh, okay, the so e-book you can is get just, it. This is just the, the print version. Okay, so but for the listeners, because we do have a lot of people that okay. are into this Stand stuff. Stand Up Decoded, always- uh, available uh, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all of that stuff. And I kept the, the e-book is available for three ninety nine because I remember when I was a starting comic, I didn't have any money to spend on books. Yeah. yeah. This is fifteen ninety nine, and it wasn't my idea to charge that much. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, <laughs> well, first time I've said this to anybody. These people stole my book. They did not have the permission to publish my book. They stole my book, and it immediately made me feel good that my book's good enough that somebody stole it. Yeah. Somebody stole it. It's got to feel good. And that, so all I do now is that when they sell some, they send me copies. Okay. So, but, so people should go and get this, because everyone always asks questions, like, how do we get into stand-up? How do we, like, people write me all the time well, and ask stuff like that. there are 25 essays great. there that have been previously published online. And I do a lesson behind every essay yeah. on how to make your stand-up better. Well, I think Rick is going to start teaching a comedy class because he's really if into that. If you do, that. I'd love so, to help. Right? Uh, yeah, I what mean. What would your comedy class consist my, of? Like my comedy you, class. How would you hold it? Uh, well, it would be cutthroat. So <laughs> at the end of each class, when you, you might not make it Are to you the next like level. Are you like shooting darts at them? Funny out? <laughs> Immediately. I like that. Yeah. Can you imagine? I'm not. In, I'm like Mitzi. I'm not encouraging the mediocre. No, you don't encourage. It's a well, sin to encourage mediocre well, talent. There, there goes. There's, that's my all-time statement. Mitzi said, "Encouraging mediocrity is a sin." That's yeah. absolutely. And she only encouraged me for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> so I was pretty mediocre. She was making a sin. She, that was a and sin. Then she gave me a chance to learn at my own pace. Right there, you go. Uh, I'm no longer mediocre. I'll you're, settle for good. You're amazing. I'll settle for good. <laughs> what is your uh, Twitter handle? On, do you do Twitter do not, or just the, Facebook? I just I only joined Facebook because the publishing company asked me to okay. pre- prepare for the next book. So now I've been on Facebook for two years. I got an idea. I got a, is this good? I got a, a picture from Facebook just a couple of days ago said I've had 21,000 likes in two years. Is that good? That's, that's probably, amazing. that's I way more than I think I get. Uh, so I have I no know. idea. I think that's probably good. Today, you know, there's all this... Uh, 
when Polly, right before Missy died, called for uh, stories to speak out on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I found somebody I knew Twitter. Al, and the man. And he did it for me with a picture of me. Smart. And I was able to, to, to twit two days before she died. Aww. That's cool. Yeah, I don't link face or twat. There you go. I'm, <laughs> I'm a twat. I mean, I do Twitter. I'll uh, twat anytime. <laughs> Give me I'm a always chance. The twat. I'm sometimes a snarky standing. twat. <laughs> ever, if the comedy store ever needs help, okay, let me know. There are literally fifty to a hundred of us that would come bail the comedy store out because it meant so much. Yeah. But for me, I just want people to be happy and understand what this is. A you. Oh, should I say this? Yes, I'll say this. Uh-uh. I've encouraged members of the Shore family to copyright the following trademark phrase. This is the funniest place on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. By like that. people in seats, comics appearing, mm-hmm. stages to perform on. As long as there's a place where people can laugh like the comedy store, there would be a place where people like us can learn to make them laugh. That's all I'm interested in. I, I don't care if I'm famous. I don't care if anybody remembers me. What I want to do is the comedy store to survive. Yeah, yeah I agree. Same, same. Yeah, we I just want to keep it open. Ninety-nine percent of like us here. The times I've gone on stage have been in this building. Mm-hmm. Oh. No, no one else will book me anywhere else. So, <laughs> well, and every time now change. I started getting You're spots at the Laugh Factory, and it's miserable. <laughs> no, it's great. You know what I was do Terrible. <laughs> I'm just going to walk on in the roast battle and with an envelope that says, this is the names of the five biggest bookers in the United States. I can guarantee 10 weeks of work to each one of the judges <laughs> without saying a word to my opponent. Yeah, there Lou, you go. Lou, though for sure, the win. Lou, Lou is the winner. He didn't say anything. Oh, he let won. Let me tell you this one. I told Gaynor when he was going to... Uh, Joey Gaynor. Roast battle. Uh Stephen Allegri. Uh-huh. So take these two fifties. And your opening line is Stephen, take these and leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't do it's it. The but most he'd make all year. Have the nerve to do it. <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah, for, being for being on. on. And uh, so it's Lou Deck. Check him out on Facebook. Check out this book, Stand Up Decode It. Um, I'm gonna read it. I'm excited. I have the ebook, and now I have hard copy. Can I keep this? I can. Oh, absolutely. Oh, but I, do you want me to keep posters? this? Because I. What I was gonna you need do the, is suggest the 15 year class take reunion. Take it home. Yeah. Check it out. I think I have when one. When you get time, give it back to Al. I feel like I have one. Okay, if you I'm gonna one. be honest. Yeah, yeah, I have one in my car. So. Yeah. So really? yeah, yeah, because we got them. They when were trying to get rid of them. When started about a year and a half ago, I yeah. simply went on Amazon and bought them all. Yeah, the comedy I bought, store. I bought six ones. I gave one to the guy that wrote "I'm Dying Up Here." I gave one to Judd, At- Judd Apatow. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, no, it's cool. I, I have a few of these. They, I have ten. I, I have fifteen. Because, like I said, I was a few here weeks. So long. Gave me and signed the first one when they came out of the the, the cartons. Oh, okay. It was for the re- the fifteenth uh, reunion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And she gave me the first one and signed it for me. That's awesome. That's rad. And that. Uh, it's so beat up. Although <laughs> I let Jeff photograph it, it's on my home page. When I bought a new one. If Paulie needs this, I'll give it to him. You know, no, they had. They, they were yeah. given like a I, they, whole they, bunch. they reprinted a bunch of them. Okay. I about, was told there was a certain burglary take place in the main room. And well. The stock was stolen. Yeah. Nobody's business. But so, I mean, that is possible. Uh, wasn't me, I, I know they, really. they, handed, they were handing them out to audience members for the 40, 44th anniversary this year. Oh, okay. Um, 40, are we 45? What, no, we it's 44, or, I think. 72, 40. Next year, and this is 44. Yeah, so 40, it's the 44th anniversary. They 
handed out a copy of the 15th anniversary yearbook to uh, anyone who wanted one that came to the main room show we that made night. It for so. all the cast of the uh, reunion show at Universal Theater for the 15th reunion. Cool. That's, That's why we amazing. made it. All right. And, all right. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to close it up. So we're going to say, please Except come to my the gratitude. Thank you for being on. Lou, we you're amazing. It. Real Lou comedy Deck, store people. Real comedy store OG. Mm-hmm. Um, we are come to the comedy store, see yep. live shows all the time. I'll be in Make Reno the this week. Ooh, uh, where the Laugh Factory, Silver oh, Legacy Hotel. Yeah. Uh, look for a guy named Dave Mincarry. I will. Is he and single? I believe he's either the Kidding. host or the manager. But, uh, oh wait, I know Dave. I'm yeah, like, wait, yeah. I just worked with Dave in yeah. uh, in Las Vegas. Yes, yes. So he nice is. I, he might be on the show. Yeah, I'm not sure, is. but yeah, he's probably on the show. He's a host. You're right. Uh, so yeah, I'll be there this week, and then that's it. Oh, in August, back at the Tropicana in uh, with Dice at the Laugh Factory there as well. Give Josh, my do best you have, to Mr. Silverstein. I will. I will tell Andy. Do you have anything to promote, Josh? You don't have a microphone. No mic. Okay. All so right. that's our producer, Josh <laughs> O'Brien. He's amazing. He does everything for us. Without so him, we're nothing. Look him yep. up. Yes, because we do nothing. He's a marine. You know, he's a mess in there. He's talking shit. What's he saying? Navy SEAL, I'm sorry, whatever. It's all the same shit to me. I'm kidding. <laughs> you're a Navy SEAL. You're a Marine SEAL now. I made you a SEAL. We're building you're, you up. Hey, Josh, were you on SEAL Team 6? I'm just asking. This Look, you can't say anything. Here, Don't come in this room. You're not in this room. He's got 9,000 <laughs> confirmed kills. <laughs> Little people, little fact people don't know. No. I'm, uh, I'm at the comedy store. Come yes, see me here. Yes, please come see Rick Ingram. Very funny. And I'll be back here in a couple of weeks. I'm excited. Uh, and Lou funny, Deck. everybody. Semper funny. <laughs> Semper funny. Thanks for listening, guys. Josh is a Navy SEAL. Hoorah. R- r- rate us. <laughs> Kidding. Listen. Bye. Tell your friends. Subscribe rate. Yes, thank you. Bye.